Okay, if you would please turn to the Acts of the Apostles. Wow, look at that font. Love it. Acts chapter 20. I'm actually going to be reading chapter 20, verse 17, and then verses 28 to 30 to get our context. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things in order to draw away the disciples after them. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, historical, and by God's grace penetrating word to our hearts, souls. Let's pray. Father, may we all as sheep, may we all as the church of God, those of us who believe, have been born again. May we feel the beauty and the glory and the heaviness and the seriousness of Paul's words to the elders. And may I as a pastor and elder and Bob as an elder really, really feel what we're meant to feel by the Holy Spirit who carried Paul in these words to the glory of your name. Amen and amen. So my focus this morning is very narrow. I'm I'm gonna spend at least two weeks in this text, just so you know, so I'll come back to the text. But this morning, my narrow task is to show Paul's description of church elders and hear his direction to them about the heart of their task, which is to shepherd God's flock. So, if you're there, let's go back. Chapter 20 of Acts to verse 28. <clears throat> Paul, he says to these men, elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained, which He purchased with His own blood. So, first, before we come back to this text, let's just clarify a few terms. In the New Testament, church leadership, when it is addressed, is always plural. For instance, in Acts 20, 17, we saw, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders, plural, to come to him. In Acts eleven thirty, we saw, and they did so, sending it to the elders in Jerusalem, plural, by the hand of Barnabas 
and Saul. In Acts 14.23, And when they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church. In Acts 15.2, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders, plural, about this question. And Paul writes to Titus in Titus 1.5, This is why I left you in Crete, Titus, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders, plural, in every town as I directed you. So it's simple. All of us who by God's undeserved mercy have been grabbed hold of by the Spirit and made alive in the hearing of the Gospel and said, Jesus is my Savior. Every one of us are being saved. And we're in process. And we still sin. All elders in all churches are first sheep. And therefore, for the benefit of the elders and their protection, and the benefit of the flock, of the church, of God's people, and for the protection of elders in a plurality from any one elder abusing their authority and their power. The Lord designed the leadership of the church to be plural. I mean, two heads or five heads or ten heads of different personalities of people whom Jesus has called to faith in themselves and the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the qualifications of elders is there. Two, four, eight, ten are better than one. And so thus we see elders is always plural. That's the first thing. Secondly, are these the terms of church leadership laid out in the New Testament? There are three terms. One we just saw, elders. Another term, overseers. Another term, shepherds. So, first, elders. Right there, Paul calls the elders. This is the Greek word, presbyteros, in singular, presbyteroi. In the plural, elders, you can hear the word presbyterian there. That's where it comes from. This idea of, of elders, why, why is that church leader elders? You mean like older? Well, maybe to a little extent, but particularly it comes from the Jewish synagogue. This idea of leadership meaning a spiritual maturity to some extent. Okay. That's why novices, even if you're a 55-year-old person who's just come to the Lord and you're, you're, you're a year old in the Lord, uh, it's... No, he's not, not ready yet to be an elder. Second term is overseer. This is the word episkopoi. You hear the word episcopalian. This is where it comes from. This is the old word in the King James is translated bishop. That's where the word bishop comes from. But its most literal translation is overseer. And that word defines itself to have responsibility over those to whom you have a responsibility. Like a parent in, in a household to watch over here in the church, over his sheep. So first, elder and overseer are one in the same 
office. They are not two distinct offices in the church. They refer to one office. For instance, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3.1, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of, and here he uses the word, episkopos, overseer, anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And in the same letter he goes on to say, let the, and he uses the other term, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. In Titus 1, Paul writes to Titus, appoint elders in every town as I directed you for, and then he says, un, and you would think the word elder would come, but he says, no, for an overseer, as God's steward must be above reproach, and he lays out the qualifications. And in our passage, it's right there in chapter 20. The whole passage begins in verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, Elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you. And now he doesn't use the word elders. He uses the word overseers. It's the same office. Now, the term pastor is this term that points to the leaders, the, the overseers, the elders in the church, and it, it, and, it, and it says, here's your job. Here's the metaphor of your job, the metaphor of a shepherd over sheep. And it's right there in Paul's mouth in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. There's the metaphor. The sheep in which the Holy Spirit has made you to, to watch over. Overseers. Now, ESV translates the next word this way. To care for. And that's good. That's, that's the job. To care for the church of God. But those three words, to care for, is actually the noun shepherd. Then in its verbal form, the same word, he literally says to them, shepherd the church of God. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.11, Jesus ascended on high and he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. That's how ESV translates it, which is a good translation. More others translate it like the New American Standard Bible, pastors, the shepherds and teachers. And the apostle Peter writes a, a letter to all the churches in the Roman Empire. And, and he says this, in chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you. Here it is. And here comes the verb form. Shepherd. 
the flock of God that is among you. Exercising, here's the third word, elders, shepherd, and then the third word, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So our English word, pastor, where was that coming from? It's coming from the language that became the language of the church for a thousand years by 400 to the 1500s called Latin. And thus the word filtered through there and comes into English as pastor. But it's exactly the same word as shepherd. It translates in the New Testament the Greek word poimenos, which means a shepherd. There's the shepherd over there with the sheep. Okay, now, from the perspective, I think, of many in an American individualism Christianity that has crept into the evangelical church in a big way. I think Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 to them might be shocking and a radical concept. The writer says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as spiritual shepherds, they will give an account to the Lord for their shepherding. Now, elders, particularly in a plurality, the safety, if it's done right, of mutual accountability as sinners is a really good thing. Not only that, ultimately, shepherds, pastors, elders in churches are ultimately accountable to the congregation. I get that right from 1 Timothy 5. Listen to Paul. Right in Timothy, do not admit a charge against an elder. He's not done yet. Because a lot of people can grumble, we sinners, and you just got one person who's irritated. Do not admit a charge. In other words, this is a sinful, sinful act or disposition that needs repentance. And look, you know that about one of the elders in your church. Do not admit a charge against an elder, well, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then you do. They're accountable. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand. In fear. Okay, so th there's the backdrop now. Let's go back to this setting. Paul calls the elders. And we go back to his instructions in our passage now. To these church leaders who are to shepherd God's flock. Verse 28. Elders. And now here's his address. Here's his main verb to them. 
This is what we're looking at this morning. Here's the verb. Pay careful attention. Okay, that's it. But then there's two objects of that verb. And so the rest of the sermon has two points. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And pay careful attention to all the flock. So, let's look at the first first. Elders, overseers, shepherds, pay careful attention to yourselves. As men, as Christians, as leaders. Like the flight attendant who says, you overseers over your children, first look out for yourselves. When that oxygen mask comes down, put it on yourself. Because if you don't, you might not be there for your children. Then you help your children. Elders, to, literally, he's saying, when take careful attention is be on guard. Be on watch. Watch yourselves like the particular soldier or soldiers who have watch duty during the night while their buddies are sleeping. Don't sit down. Don't fall asleep. Look out carefully for the enemy. So when Paul says this to these elders, watch yourself. This is a call to take one's life in morality and behavior and doctrine very seriously. This is Paul's way of saying that the church is always a church. And every local church is always a local church in danger of enemy fire. Satan does not take days off. And that sin in every Christian and in every elder is always crouching at the door, ready to pounce. And so it makes sense to Paul would say first, watch yourselves. Yourselves. Why? Remember in the context, what has Paul already done with the elders? He appealed to how he lived. How he did life for three years among them, the elders, and all the flock there in Ephesus. And so Paul's point with that and watch yourselves is that it matters what kind of a person an elder is. Oh, he's not sinless. And he is not perfect. And neither was Paul, and that's not his point. But it matters as a Christian, their love for the Lord, their repentance, their walk, and there are fruits in areas that say there's maturity here. It matters what kind of a person the elder is and not just what he believes or what he knows or his ability to teach or speak or preach. This must be first and foremost. Elders, watch.
yourself. So what does that got to mean? I, I think it's got to mean, and this is how I definitely take it, as a Christian first and as an elder second, it's got to mean what's your heart? Your heart. The scripture is clear. Our actions, our callousness towards God or towards other people, it's always flowing from something going deeper. The heart, as Proverbs chapter 4 makes clear, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. Out of the heart, as we don't keep watch on, down the road, you start to see what's happening with so-and-so. Let's just listen to that whole context here in Proverbs 4. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, deceptive speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Know where you're going. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Elders is what Paul's telling. Because from your heart flow the springs of life. The requirement for all church elders is to constantly allow their lives, their sin, their brokenness to be scrutinized by the scripture. And indeed is all Christians are. This is how the writer of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 4. Verses 11 to 12. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest that Jesus promises so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as they did in the wilderness under Moses. And then he says, For the word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it is discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. All of Jesus' people, especially his shepherds, are in desperate, constant need for the word of God, the scalpel of God to cut. Pay attention, Paul says, to your heart, to yourselves, to your guts, to your desires. Meaning, be honest, elders, with your sin. Seek the Lord daily so that you don't become self-deceived. Particularly now with church leaders. So you don't become self-deceived where you know how to present yourself outwardly to people. But inwardly, you're becoming calloused toward God. 
This is where it is really helpful for all of us religious people. I once was not a religious person. Almost 40 years ago, Jesus grabbed a hold of me. Okay, in that sense, look at me. Okay. Church has been my life for 40 years. The church, the community, etc. And for most of you, you're religious people. And for elders, especially, is it helpful to pay attention to Jesus' harsh words, to Pharisees, that we not become like them. Like Matthew 23, 27 to 28, when he says, Woe to you. Woe. W-O-E. That means bad. Bad coming to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. There is a particular danger for those elders who really labor and spend their lives as preaching pastors to be fooled and to fool others. There is a danger of hiding behind their theological education, their exegetical, biblical interpretive skills, their, their speaking or teaching ability. And for many, I don't have this temptation, I have this great charisma. There is a real danger of hiding behind that. It can become easy to look good in particular jobs. Wow, pastor, that was a great sermon. He must be really godly because did you see how powerful he preached God's word while all the while he is filled with bitterness and unforgiveness and treats his wife like a piece of dirt without repentance and is addicted to pornography or worse happens all the time. Elders, watch your own hearts and lives first. Live in repentance. Absorb the word. Go under the scalpel. Seek communion with the Lord daily in the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul means first, and he's got to also be meaning here. And I'm going to show why, because of the context. Pay careful, close to your attention, just to your heart, but also now to your doctrine, to your teaching. Remember, Paul had just made this clear to them by putting himself up as the example for them. When he said back in verse 20, I, Paul, for three years... I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public and in your homes, from house to house. And then in 26, he says again, I'm never going to see your guys' face again, so here's his last shot. Therefore, 
I testify to you this day, I, Paul, am innocent of the blood of all. Why? Because I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole enchilada. The whole counsel, will of God. The whole will of God. I didn't pick and choose and see. Maybe people would be scared away about God's truth if I just said it plainly. He said, I did not do that. And that's why one of the New Testament qualifications for elders is an ability to teach. Meaning, to know the truth and, and, and to explain it. Oh, thank you. That's help, helpful. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, Paul writes, An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. In Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word. We have it all right here now, called the Bible. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who don't have sound doctrine, who contradict it. Now, not every elder needs to have this calling and this desire or to be a public teacher, a public preacher, a preaching pastor, but they all need to have a grasp on Christianity, on the doctrine, to handle their Bible, sit down with one or three or four, or even confront the pastor in his sermon. No, 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 let's look at the text again. They can do that. They can explain Christianity. They have a firm, sound doctrine with the ability to help it become clear to people. All right, so there's Paul's first admonition. Elders, keep a very close, careful watch on your heart, on your morality, on your doctrine. And then, secondly, elders, pay very careful attention to all the flock. The church of God, which is under your care. Not, not elders, pay, pay attention to all the Christians in the town, in the city. No. There are many shepherds all over the world and all over this city. And they have their own flocks, their own sheepfold. Pay attention to the flock that's under your responsibility, your oversight, your care. And so the main work of the shepherd according to this passage is... Shepherd the flock. That's the verb. Care.
care for them. Shepherding, the shepherd cares for them as Jesus would talk about using this metaphor. This one's hurt. Grab them. Shepherd the flock. Oh, and the whole flock. Oh, if you are only looking out for when the bones need to be mended, and this one, sheep over here is hurting, or as Jesus says, there's one out of 99, go find the lot. Okay, I got the sheep back. But you never think about feeding the sheep, bringing them to, to food, to green pastures, to eat. You'll watch them starve to death. That would be a dumb shepherd. Shepherd the flock. And I'm going to say something on purpose and slowly. God gets angry at shepherds who do not protect and feed the sheep the Word of God. Hear the Word of the Holy Spirit again through the Apostle Paul. Just feel the words. Pay very close attention to yourselves and pay close attention to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Pay attention to care for, to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Don't miss that. To shepherd God's Church, not yours. And I say angry because Paul, I know, had memorized Ezekiel 34. As we saw last week when, when Paul would use the metaphor of no blood on my hands, and we looked at Ezekiel, oh, he knew it by heart. And he knew Ezekiel 34, 1 to 6, by heart, which I will read slowly. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts and wolves. God says, he goes on, My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and over the high hill. That's idolatry, unprotected. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek 
for them. And so Paul says, shepherds, elders, overseers, pay careful attention to God's sheep, to all the flock in which... Now, listen to these words. The Holy Spirit has made you, or pointed you, placed you as overseers. Those are beautiful words, and they're heavy words. But how are we to understand them? So if we just let's go back to the original context. Does he mean that while they're in a worship service sometime back or in different worship services, you know, who knows how many elders are in town there and how many they had need of them? Maybe there's 50 for all we know. And that all of a sudden someone prophesies, Billy! Calling to be an elder. You know. And Johnny, Jacob. Is that what he means by the Holy Spirit appointing? Now, Luke already told us in the book of Acts, chapter 14, that Paul and Barnabas went to all the towns there that they had evangelized in Galatia, and then they, Paul and Barnabas, appointed elders. In every city. And Paul, later he writes to Titus, one of his workers, and he tells Titus, I want you to appoint elders in all the churches throughout that island. And then Paul gives Titus the qualifications. In other words, look for Christian men who are like this. In other words, you see the fruits of the Spirit working in their lives like that. And they also have this ability to teach. So when, when we hear here from Paul's lips, in which the Holy Spirit has appointed elders to you, I think it must mean something like this. Men who are raised up in, in the congregation that are recognized by the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which really are those qualifications, okay, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, maturity is growing in them. They, they're apt, they have the ability to understand doctrine and help people with it also. And so therefore, those are the men. Would you serve? Would you like to serve? And that's the work of what you're recognizing as the work of the Holy Spirit and the fruit in their life. That's my best shot about what he means. But now we see the verb. The action word that Paul gives to them. That is the work of the elders is to shepherd. It's to care for the sheep. And there's, there's I think that's twofold. <coughs> At least twofold. We'll get to the second part first. But the first part is a genuine Christian love. Care. For fellow sheep, that they have a responsibility to. And Paul, I want you to hear Paul as the model of this, the great theologian, the great doctrinal man. This is what he says when he writes to the flock, the church in Thessalonica. Chapter 2. We 
were gentle among you. And watch, here's his first metaphor. He's going to use two of them. We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her babies, her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only biblical theology, not, not only the gospel, oh yes, not only though what we knew, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. And he goes on, for you, you know how, here's his second metaphor, like a father with his children, tells you something about male, female here a little bit, and mothers and fathers, and why they're both so precious and both needed in differing roles. We were like a father with his children. We exhorted each one of you, and we encouraged you, and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Elders, Paul says, pay special attention to care for all the flock, for each sheep, Christian in that fold. They all have names and stories. Seek to know them, be available to them. Secondly, to shepherd the flock means feed them. Feed the sheep the word of God. Shepherds are to make clear what is profitable and true and central the way God chose to reveal it. To go to the scripture and find out what that is and then to say it. Or to use the metaphor, shepherds point the sheep, they point the flock away from eating weeds or dangerous shrubbery. And lead them to the green pastures of biblical, gospel-centered teaching. That's what they do. That's why Paul, we'll come back to it next week, but that's why he goes on to say, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, elders. Not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things in order to draw away the disciples after them. Paul thought it very important for God's people to know the gospel. Not just the elders, definitely the elders, but for all the people to not just 
peripherally know the gospel, but to know the gospel inside and out. That's why he just said before this, therefore I testified to you, I am innocent of the blood of all the sheep here in Ephesus. Because I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Every aspect of it. And then Paul, he wrote to the elder, to the elder named Timothy. And he said to him, Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself. Sounds pretty familiar with Paul's speech to the Ephesian elders. Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers, the flock. And then he writes to Timothy, (coughs) excuse me, Timothy, all Scripture, the whole Bible. I know he means the Hebrew Scripture at that point, but he means everything he taught. And so we mean Old and New Testament. All Scripture, Timothy, is breathed out by God, and it, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness of living for the Lord so that the man of God, that's you, Timothy, as an elder, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now listen to what he says. Now, here's Paul. I charge you in the presence of God, Timothy, and in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and by His kingdom, can he get more serious? I charge you, preach nothing else but the Word. Preach the Scripture. Be ready in season and be ready out of season to reprove and to rebuke and to encourage with complete patience and teaching. So next week, we'll come back to the protection of the flock from the wolves that Paul talks about. But this morning, we'll just end with those sobering, precious words that Paul uses in order to motivate the elders. Let's read it again, all of verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood.
Those people are not yours. He bought them with His blood. It is clear that Paul wants the elders to feel the weight of that. To feel the seriousness of their responsibility. He wants those who particularly labor in preaching and in teaching on a regular basis to never think it's just another profession that you might go into. Like the medical field or being a lawyer or a police officer or a psychologist. He wants them to feel this is a responsibility that is utterly unique under the sun. He tells them, you're placed there by the Holy Spirit to shepherd the flock in truth and in sound doctrine and with loving concern for each sheep. The sheep that is God's church, which Jesus himself purchased with his own blood. And therefore, be careful to watch your own lives and your own morality and your own doctrine and to keep a close watch on all the sheep to care for their souls and to feed them the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son whom you did not hold back but you gave him and delivered him up all up upon the cross as a bloody substitutionary sacrifice in order that you would bring into the fold all of those sheep whom you have given to him. And so may I, as, as, as a preaching, teaching pastor, elder, and Bob as an elder, as we serve in this church, may you continue to grace us with the Spirit, causing us to pay attention to these words, to pay attention to ourselves and to all the flock. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are good. We thank you for your wonderful care. And you are the, as the New Testament calls you, the great shepherd of the sheep. You're the chief shepherd. And it is a privilege to serve as under shepherds. And we serve as those who so undeserving, but have been mercied by your blood. Oh, we thank you for that. We thank you for the green pastures that you have given to us called the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand.